My first official title was busboy. I know that because it said it on the job application that I read. It had some information at the top about the restaurant where I was going to be working. And then it said, job you are applying for, title, colon, busboy. It was an amazing time in my life. I went from being a junior in high school to being a junior in high school busboy. I was part of the workforce. I was paying my taxes. I was doing my duty. I was serving that bread and tea. I was doing all those important things that a busboy would, would have to do. And I had a title and all the privilege that went with it, which basically that was all the iced tea that I could drink, all the baked potatoes that I could eat, and two sixty-five an hour. I didn't exactly get rich that summer, but I did eat a lot of potatoes. We often define ourselves with our title. When, when, when somebody asks us, well, what do you do? Well, obviously we could say, well, I got up and brushed my teeth this morning and then I, I went and put on some clothes. You know, we do lots of things. But a lot of times when somebody asks us that question, we define ourselves by our job, by, by whatever it is that we do, whether we're a, a nurse or a preacher or a contractor or whatever it is that we happen to do, that, that's the way that we define ourselves. Sometimes, however, those titles can be a, a, a little bit discouraging. Maybe we didn't quite attain the title that we wanted to attain in life. Or, or maybe we attained the title that we wanted and it, it didn't quite turn out to be all that we wanted it to be. But sometimes, however, titles can encourage us. They can motivate us. They can, can encourage us to, to try a little harder, to, to step up to the plate and, and take a swing. Like, like when I played softball, I was the fourth batter in the rotation, which meant that I was the cleanup batter. Uh, it basically meant that four other guys didn't show up that day, but I was the one that had to get those first guys around the bases. Because I was batting cleanup. Those, those titles just encourage us to do a little more. Well, this morning I want to ask you, what is your title today? And before you answer, it may be more than you think. When we understand what God's title for us truly is, and why He gives that title to us, It'll make you stop and, and reassess how you're living your life. It'll make you reassess everything that you do. So it's important to understand the title that God has bestowed on you as a believer in Jesus Christ. We're going to look at that this morning, but we're going to start back in the Old Testament. Because we have some important shoes to fill. Now, to understand what's going on, we've got to go all the way back to the wilderness experience of the Israelites. Uh, they're with Moses as he's led them out of Israel. They're, they're headed toward the, the promised land. They've been traveling for some time by uh, the time that we get to Exodus chapter 19. They've had their ups and downs. Uh, but now was the time that they really had to make a decision. Where they weren't going to go to the promised land, or were they truly going to turn around and go back to Egypt? As my uncle used to say, it was time to fish or cut bait. They had to make the decision here halfway through their journey. It was time to either go all in or give up. 
So to encourage them, God brings them to this pivotal moment in the nation's history. He meets them at a mountain called Sinai. That extraordinary event begins with the explanation that God gives to Moses here in Exodus chapter 19, verse 3, where we're going to read this morning. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. What God told Moses to tell the Israelites actually applies to you and me. Now, we're going to see that in just a moment. But to understand why that is, first we've got to understand what it is he actually said when he was telling Moses what Moses needed to tell the people of Israel. So let's take a look at that very quickly this morning. First of all, God was very clear. This was a message to his people. He reassures them, I'm the one that brought you out of the the land of Egypt. I'm the one who's going to make you into a great nation. They were standing at the foot of Mount Sinai, not because they had a great army, because they didn't. Not because of the cunning leadership of Moses, because the reality was Moses didn't want to be the leader in the first place. They were there because of God's power. And God's mercy. And they were then and would continue to be God's people. Not just the nation of Israel. Not just another country in in, in world history. They were God's people. Second. This was a two-way reality. It, it, It was a covenant As God's people, they would receive his blessings, but they were to respond with obedience. Now, that only makes sense. God had their best interest in mind. He wanted what was the very best, not only for them, but for all nations. He was working out his plan of redemption for all the world through his people, through the nation of Israel. So this was going to be something that they needed to participate in. It wasn't just something that God was going to do for them. It was something that they were going to do with God. It was a covenant relationship. Which leads to the third observation that God tells Moses. They were God's treasured possession. Their deliverance out of Egypt was only the beginning. They had much greater things to come. And then he gives them this this extraordinary title. He says, you are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
Now, being a kingdom of priests didn't mean they were all going to leave their tents and move to the tabernacle. They'd all still be shepherds and carpenters and, and bricklayers and all the other things that they would be in life. But in those roles, they would at the same time be something else. They would be God's representatives. A kingdom of priests. They would be tasked with calling the world to worship God. Because they would be a holy people. That word holy means set apart. Whatever they did in life, whatever their, their job was, whatever their family responsibilities were, whatever their uh, responsibilities were in their, their neighborhood, in their community, everything that they did was to be set apart for God. That reality permeated everything in their life. It was part of their home. It was part of their work. It was part of their interactions with other people. It was part of everything. When you are holy, it's not a part-time job. You don't set that aside for the moment and, and do this, and then, okay, now it's time to be holy. No, you're either holy or you're not. And the nation of Israel was full-time called to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, God's treasured possession. Now, you may think, well, that's great for them. That's wonderful for the people back there in the Old Testament days. Great for the people of Israel in the wilderness. But what's that got to do with me? Well, here's something we need to understand this morning. The Bible uses this very same terminology to talk about somebody else. If you know Jesus this morning... The Bible uses this very same terminology to talk about you. Here's where it is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Listen to the words. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Now, who is the Bible talking to there? Well, Peter is writing believers. Those who have entrusted their lives into the hands of Jesus. And so this morning, he was writing to you and me. And it's no accident that Peter uses these very words. Because the work of God's people did not end when they made the journey through the wilderness and finally crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land. The work of believers did not end when Jesus ascended into heaven. Our work does not end when we leave this building this morning. We are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy Nation, a people belonging to God. So what's our purpose? Well, Peter defines it very clearly here. Our purpose 
is that we might declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. Now think about that for a minute. You have been set apart. Remember, that's what that word holy means. It means you've been set apart for a purpose. It's kind of like, you know, when, when, when you'd go home from school during the week and, and you'd come in there and you'd smell fresh baked cookies in the house. And you'd, oh, wow, mom made some cookies. And then you'd see them there on the table. They'd be set out on a platter and you'd make a beeline. And you'd reach for those cookies, and just as you were about to get one, your mom would say, Wait a minute, don't eat those cookies. Those are for the church dinner Sunday. (laughs) Your cookies are in the cookie jar over there. And by the way, you better not eat any of those before you've eaten your dinner. (laughs) Those cookies on the table were set apart. They, they, They were saved for something. For the church people to eat at church dinner that week. Well, when we're facing a temptation in life, we need to remember something. That we have been set apart for something greater. We are holy. Not not because we deserve to be, not because we have earned that right, not because somehow we have made ourselves holy. No, God has set us apart. He has made us holy. We are a royal priesthood. We're set apart for a purpose. We are set apart to declare His praises. The one who brought us out of the darkness of our sin into His wonderful light. That's who we are. That's our title. That's what we do. If you go to a hamburger place this afternoon when you finish with Bible study and you head out for lunch and you're ready for something to eat, you go to a hamburger place, you don't go there expecting for them to go paint your house. (laughs) No. You expect them to fix your hamburger. It's a hamburger place. That's what they do. If, which I don't expect you would do this in February, but if you were to go to a swimming pool and it was warmer, you would not go there expecting to see a painting by one of the the masters like Rembrandt. Because it's not a museum, it's a swimming pool. You go there expecting to go swimming. If you call a plumber and he walks into your house with his toolkit and he sets it down and you would not ask him, well, I've got this sore tooth. Could you take a look at that this morning? He's a plumber. You expect him to be an expert in plumbing, not dentistry. Now, now it's not a bad thing to be any of those. Don't, don't get me wrong. And you could have a guy working in a hamburger place that could do a decent job painting a house. And, and you might have a plumber that, that knows a good dentist. Or you might have a good dentist that is a pretty good plumber too. I don't know. And you may meet someone at a swimming pool that may be the next Rembrandt. They, they may be a great painter. You never know. Well, as believers, we can be good plumbers, good painters. We can make a delicious hamburger. We can and should seek to be the very best at those uh, avenues where God has, has placed us. 
But those are not who we are. We are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people belonging to God. That we may declare the praises of Him who has brought us out of darkness into His wonderful light. That's who we are. When the world tries to convince you that you're somebody else, just remember. It's not what they say you are. It's what God says you are. Who are you going to choose to listen to? This week, as you go through your daily task, whether you go to your job, whether you're uh, just kind of hanging out in your neighborhood, whether you have a responsibility here at church, or you have a responsibility in the community, whatever you do, remind yourself I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a part of a holy nation. I belong to God. And he has called me to declare his praises. And watch for opportunities to do that. Think about, okay, my job, my task is as a plumber or as a, as a whatever I, I, I may be. And I'm going to do a good job at that. I'm going, to, I'm going to be the best I can possibly be at that particular task. But, but what's a way, this is not all that I am. This doesn't define me. What's a way that I can use this to declare his praises? What is a way that I can point somebody today toward Jesus? Because that's who you are. Heavenly Father, we become so defined in our world by, by titles. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You have given us talents and, and gifts in order to to do the things that we do, and, and we praise you for that. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. But God, don't, don't let us be defined by those tasks that we do. Help us to remember you have called us to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart to a very specific purpose, to declare your praises. Help us find ways to do that this week, Lord, as as we go to our schools, as we go to our jobs, as we go to our homes, as we go to our neighborhoods. Help us to fulfill that purpose, to declare your praises. But that's who we are. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.